0: Welcome to the Senses of Cinema podcast for July 2018. I'm one of the editors at the Journal, Mark Freeman, and today I'm joined by my fellow editor at Senses, the Artistic Director of the Melbourne International Film Festival, Michelle Carey. Welcome to the podcast, Michelle. Hello.
1: So I'm officially a multi-hyphenate.
0: You are. You are. And also in our third chair today, another multi-hyphenate. We breed them around here. Writer, academic, film programmer, Tim O'Farrell. Welcome to the podcast, Tim. Thanks, Mark. Hi,
2: Michelle. Hello.
0: OK. On today's show, we're going to be talking through the incredible lineup for the 2018 Melbourne International Film Festival. So, we're very fortunate to have Michelle with us this month to discuss what's on offer. Then, we're going to focus on two significant films in the program. The first is Lynn Ramsey's latest film, You Were Never Really Here. And then, we'll turn our attention to Isabella Ecliffe's debut feature, Holiday. We'll end, as always, on our recommendations for the month of July, and for patrons of Senses of Cinema, in our bonus today, we'll discuss the career of the festival director with the best in the business, our very own Michelle Carey. So now let's get things underway. The Melbourne International Film Festival has been running continuously since 1952, which makes it one of the world's longest-running film festivals. It features an intelligently curated selection of cinema from across the globe, as well as casting a spotlight on our very own Australian production. It's also really carved out a significant place with incredible initiatives like the Accelerator Program and the Critics' Campus, both of which work to propel the careers of those in the arts community. And while those in the Northern Hemisphere might right now be enjoying summer, down here in Australia the weather isn't so hospitable, so MIF has long served as the bright, warm spot in a very cold Melbourne winter. So let's start by looking at what Michelle and her team have cooked up for the festival this year, Um, which is, by the way, her final year as artistic director. The opening night film is Paul Dano's debut feature, Wildlife, with Carey Mulligan, Jack Gyllenhaal and Australia's very own Ed Oxenbold. Michelle, what can you tell us about this opening night film?
1: Yeah, well, certainly. So as you mentioned, it is the directorial debut of Paul Dano, who people probably know more as an actor. He was in There Will Be Blood, of course, Little Miss Sunshine, so many films and it's a really stunning um film it's it's it it sort of has the feel of a very you know assured experienced uh director um it's it's quite slow and languid and it really just centers on this sort of family this uh husband and wife and their teenage son played by Ed Oxenbold as you mentioned and there's not a huge amount of dialogue and it's almost like a silent film in that um it sort of plays out through the, the face of young Ed Oxenbowl, which is really quite e- extraordinary. So I, I think it's a really brilliant film. I'm yeah. looking forward Sounds to like seeing it.
0: Sounds like a wonderful way to, to kick off the festival. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Quite different. I mean, often we sort of show Australian films sure. for opening night, and it'll be nice to do something a bit different this yeah. year, and, and Ed will be attending opening night, so that's exciting.
0: Oh,
1: wonderful. How old is he? He's 17. Okay. So yes, growing up.
0: Okay. So, well, that's how we're kicking off the festival. But once we dive into the, the program proper, uh, there's an awful lot of stuff in here that I am super keen to, to look at. So I thought that maybe we might just rip through some of the, the, the sections that uh, feature in the festival this year. Um, and the first one that I really wanted to talk about was the headliner section, which has got a whole stack of really high-profile films, uh, a bunch of them from Cannes. Um, Tim, out of this section, what are you keen to chase down and, and check out?
2: I'm keen to see just about everything, yeah. but I thought, seeing as time is short, I'll just restrict it to a couple of uh, keep it contextual with a couple of Italian films. Uh, I'm really interested in Dogman, Man um, by uh, uh, directed by Matteo Garoni, who directed Gomorra a few years ago, and also I'm Happy as Lazaro, uh, writer-director Alice Rohrwacher's um, debut film that won the best screenplay award at Cannes this year and has a lot of had a lot of good uh, reviews in the post-Cannes
0: period. Yeah. Yeah. They both sound amazing. Michelle, have you got a couple lined up that Uh, you have seen or are going to chase down?
1: I've seen quite a lot of them. Um, I I should mention, I think Cold War is a very special film. It's a Polish film directed by Pawel Pawlikowski, um, who people might remember from Mm -hmm. Ida um, a few years ago. Um, best foreign film at the Oscars. And this is a very, very special epic love story. Um, but it's not like a three-hour epic. It's like an 88-minute oh, like epic or something. My so, favourite
0: kind of epic. Yeah, and
1: it really <laughs> has the feel of like a 1960s Eastern European film that you might have seen on like David Stratton's TV show oh, 20 wonderful. years ago. It's really gorgeous. That's Cold War. Um, but look, I'm, there's a number of things I'm excited to see. Um, the Miseducation of Cameron Post I haven't actually seen yet. That's by Desiree Akhavan. But right. I think I've actually seen a, a lot of the rest of it. And um, the two um, Tim mentioned are fantastic. Happy as Lazarus is really, really great. So just go see all of it.
0: Yes. Well, because I'm just a terrible human being... I'm still kind of keen to see Gaspar Noé's Climax.
1: Oh, it's fabulous. Yeah. Is it's, it really? Oh, it's oh, great. I it's it. Because one of my, I had one quite of my the favorites. experience with love. Well, it's, <laughs> it's probably a good way to go into it then because I think, um, you know, if you, a lot of people are going into it a bit with trepidation yes. as as you are and um, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Really? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Am I going to be kind of repulsed? Totally. Because that's what I'm looking for. I hope you are. <laughs> well, that is my default setting, but uh, <laughs> it'll maybe ample, amplify it a little bit more. And I'm still really keen to see, and I, maybe it's going to be all over the shop and I won't care. Um, I'm really keen to see um, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, just because there's such <laughs> a huge history behind that film. Yeah. And I don't care whether it's good, bad or indifferent. I still have to see it because that the story of the production of that film is so wonderful that...
1: Amazing. Yeah. It's going to go down in history, you know, yeah. for, for, for that reason, if, if nothing else. And look, the performance by Adam Driver is
0: just Is it fantastic. really? He's yeah. so
1: hilarious. Get that guy so, in it is, comedy so
0: it does work comedically. Yeah. I, thought, I wondered whether oh, I was no, going gonna... to...
1: If you're into that sort of thing, yeah. I, I think it does. Yeah, yeah. Got to go with it.
0: Excellent. And how about our Australian selections in this program, which are uh, extensive? Uh, it is really a good opportunity to, to showcase some of the Australian talent um, that we we breed here um anything that you're particularly looking out for michelle
1: um i mean i've seen a number of these and um yeah everything i've seen has been terrific so far i mean some of my favorites are strange colors uh, which is actually by melbourne filmmaker elena lodkina um under the cover of cloud which will be a world premiere um also melbourne filmmaker ted wilson and he's just confirmed that the one and only david boone Will be attending the Boonie. world premiere. So, Booney, so you've got to see the film to work out where Booney fits into all of this. That's all I'm <laughs> going to say. Um, you know, so many great films. Celeste by Ben Hackworth in world premiere, starring Radha Mitchell. We've got a number of Australian restorations, um, oh, including The Cheetahs, yes. which is a silent era film directed by the McDonald's, made by the McDonald's sisters. sisters.
0: I'm a big fan. Yeah. I mean, ah, no, the, yeah. the film is, I have actually sinned already, but mm. I'm busting to see this restoration. Yeah. And that was such an interesting little familial troupe in the 20s in Australia. You know, three sisters who just made their own films.
1: Yeah, I mean, there weren't many women filmmakers in Australia at the time, but even in the world. I mean, I think they were some of the only women filmmakers in the world at that time. So, you know, that's fantastic that the National Film and Sound Archive are um, are restoring that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, so much Australian stuff. Another one, actually, I wanted to point out, The Eulogy. Yes. Beautiful documentary by Janine Hosking. Um, People should go see that as well.
0: Uh, And and my understanding is that that really kicks off with a a eulogy delivered by our ex-Prime Minister Paul Keating. Paul Keating.
1: So Paul Keating delivered the eulogy at this uh, Geoffrey Tozer's um, funeral when he died in 2009 and he actually recreates it. So, just you know, just listen to that voice again and and he's so witty and sharp and, yeah, much missed.
2: (laughs) Tim? Yeah, well, I think I'm pretty interested in just about everything that's been mentioned so far. I was particularly interested in Strange Colours. Uh, you gave it a big rap at the launch for the festival, Michelle, and that mm. took my fancy. Um, I'm hoping that Bernie doesn't drink too many cans on the, <laughs> in the plane on the way over here, um, or else uh, his, his visit might be a little bit controversial. But I'm very interested to see his performance in Under the Cover of Cloud as well. Um, and uh, of the restorations, I'm interested to see again because I haven't seen it for a long time, Witches, Witches and Faggots, Dykes and Poofters mm. as well. That, that will be quite an interesting yeah, film yeah, to see. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm I'm looking out for uh, Jackson Raftopoulos' West of Sunshine, which I think premiered, wasn't I think it was at Venice, Venice. Yeah. yeah.
1: And finally making its hometown uh, premiere, yeah. all shot in Melbourne.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, So very, very keen to to check out that because um, I'm sure that's going to be really amazing. And we already mentioned The cheetahs, but the other thing that I'm really keen to see, and I know it's only a fragment because so much of our early uh, film history has been lost or set on fire um, through various kind of ridiculous processes. Um, There's actually a fragment of Those Who Love, which is another one of the McDonough Sisters films, and we don't have much of it left because it's all decayed and fallen apart, but um I'm really, really keen to, to I mean I want to see the cheetahs again, but mm. just to see those who love, just to see a little section of, of whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's on the same program and I'm very, very keen to, to have a look at that. Um one of the bigger sections is obviously the international section. Um there's a whole truckload of things that that I'm super excited about. So I'm gonna narrow it down to two. Um the first is Anieszka uh, Smoczynska's. Mm, well done. The Fug- did I do that okay? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Woo, look at that. Good work. Um, the Fugue. Um, now, I haven't seen her earlier film, but I'm so busting to, uh, which was The lure, which was mm. the the killer mermaid musical. Um, vampire musical. Vampire musical. Fantastic.
1: mermaid vampire musical from Poland.
0: Well, all of my favorite things in one yes. film. Um, so, <laughs> I, I, that sounds so amazing. I just have to catch it before I catch actually get to see The Fugues. I'm really, really keen to have a look at that. Um, the other one in the international section that I'm really interested to see is Clio Barnard's Dark River. Mm. Um, look, I, she... I think. It was her first film, which was The Arbor, which is the documentary she did, which I think is just one of the most incredible documentaries around. So
1: interesting. Um, it's kind of a hybrid film. Uh, isn't it?
0: It's such an extraordinary yeah. approach to yeah. documentary and to sound and to kind of investigating this woman's history. So she's just such an interesting filmmaker. I've got to check out um, this latest film from her. Tim, what are you checking
2: uh, out? I'm particularly interested in um, Lucretia Martel's mm. Zana. Um, yeah. We've been hearing a lot about that for a year and a half now. It seems to have taken a long time to, or since Khan last year, so a little bit less than a year and a half. Um, And I love The Holy Girl and The Headless Woman, so I think there's always a sense of mystery, and she's such an original filmmaker. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah,
0: that sounds terrific. It's worth the wait. Yeah. Mm, Is there anything else in there, Michelle, that you're going to give us a bit of a heads-up for?
1: Um, oh, yeah, look, this sprightly young upstart director called Jean-Luc Godard
0: has a new film. <laughs> Never heard of him. Who is this man?
1: <laughs> like film number 200 or something for him um, <laughs> called The Image Book. So it's his latest film, right. won a special um, honorary Palm at Cannes this year right. and um, it's... It's amazing. I mean, it's it's mind-boggling and crazy and it's already giving our technical team, like, major headaches and nightmares. And um, <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> worth seeing because it might not be coming to a cinema near you. Yeah. Do you think
2: Agnes Vada will be there for that?
0: Yeah.
1: In, in Melbourne, yes. I would, uh, she's most welcome to organise a comp <laughs> ticket for yes, her. Yes, if you're listening. <laughs> don't know. Hope, hopefully they're friends again.
0: Yes. Um, there are a, a bunch of retrospectives which I just really quickly wanted to, to mention that some of them are... are really terrific. Uh, Tim, you were thinking about the African retrospective. Uh, Yeah, the
2: African films rediscovered retrospective. I think we don't see very much African cinema. We saw I Am Am Not a Witch in Melbourne earlier this year, which was great, but this is a fantastic chance to see, I think it's eight African films from all across the continent going back 50 years um, for for the first time for most of us, I think
0: so that's fantastic. And Michelle, you did you curate the fashion cinema section?
1: Yes, yes. So um, we, we all did, um, Thomas Caldwell did the African sex, ex- section you mentioned, which I agree is terrific, and Al Alcosa did the Italian crimes. And so I, I took on fashion cinema, which I worked on uh, while I was on leave earlier this year. And um, it's it's, you know, it's... It's, it's quite a broad range of films. Yeah. I don't I don't think there are too many festival programs where you'll see something like The Women paired with oh, uh, Wild Style or yeah. Paris is Burning. <laughs> this, so really, this is what's so yeah. great about that section. <laughs> exactly. So really, it's um, it's it's a look at sort of fashion throughout the ages of cinema. So a look at 20th century cinema and some of the wonderful fashion featured in it and some of the great designers. Um, so, yeah, I'm, of course, yeah. very excited about that program.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and we've got uh, Fanzetti and Catette, uh mm, for Zani and Kate. Yeah, yes. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That should be great. yeah. yeah and and be here. for Almost uh, in the other direction, and Nicholas Cage-a-thon oh, yeah. at the
1: S How many films is that? It's seven hundred thirty-seven minutes
2: worth <laughs> of Cage. Of um, Nicholas Cage, not films. I think seven <laughs> films. Um,
1: kicking off with Mandy, his his brand new film, which has just got the trailers just got to be seen to be believed. I can't <laughs> wait to see that one. And then it starts with Quality Cage early in the night, um, yep. sort of. Um, Um, you know, a lot of the great indie stuff he did in the early 90s. And it just slowly gets more ridiculous as we go on. So (laughs) ending with absolute WTF cage and the wee hours of the morning. So, Uh,
0: Just watch the hair all the way through. (laughs) (laughs) And the last thing I just wanted to mention quickly, Michelle, um, I mentioned this in the intro. Uh, We've had a couple of uh, initiatives through Myth that have just been really, really helpful for the... The art scene in Australia, and specifically in Melbourne, and that's the Accelerator Lab and the Critics' Campus. Do you just want to uh, give people a bit of an idea what those two initiatives involve?
1: Yes, yeah, certainly. So these um, are, I guess, workshops. Um, they're, they're probably not so public-facing, so they're not really things public attend. Accelerator's been running for twelve years, wow. and it's where we um, we curate or we select um, a number, usually like between twelve and sixteen, short filmmakers um, and present their films, but then we put those filmmakers through the ringer. No, we put them through um, a four-day workshop where they basically just learn about things that, you know, a director should know, not so much about the craft, but about, you know, how to work with a producer, um, you know, what hap- what are legals on films and what do you do when you go to a film festival. So a lot of um, really amazing filmmakers have come through the Accelerator Lab, um, including David Michaud. Uh, Ben Hackworth, a Milcorn Wilson, Sophie Hyde, so many great filmmakers who've then gone on to make great feature films. And Critics Campus is a similar sort of thing, but for critics. Um, So we select um, eight emerging critics who are paired with eight established critics and mentored, and these are a combination of Australian and international critics so we bring out people from Variety or Hollywood Reporter every year and they mentor these young writers um and and they also go through workshops like how to pitch how to work with yeah. editors what does a publicist do so they've been really terrific and I think they're you know they are things that only MIF does yeah. within the Australian context and um I'm, I'm very passionate about both of them so I'm really yeah. glad you picked up on those.
0: Yeah I, I, I really appreciate them in a program like Mm. Just as a, you know, when you're a a smaller industry as we are, to have a set of programs that can nurture that talent and Mm. give them workshops and information and mentorship... Yeah. It's, it's such an important...
1: And, and also, you know, censors of cinema were passionate about film criticism yes, and yeah. I remember about five or six years ago there was this story going around and film criticism was dead yes, and all this and yeah. I, I think it's been completely turned upside down. I mean, you have more critics than ever online. It's, it's more democratic. There are a lot of new, young, diverse... Uh, voices coming through. I guess the, the, the ongoing challenge is how do they make a living out yeah, of it. Yeah, and, yeah. and the Critics Campus yeah. does address that as well. But yeah. there's some really amazing writers out there.
0: Yeah. yeah, It's a fantastic program though, Michelle. So congratulations. It's really amazing. It is every year. Um, but but this year again, just an outstanding program. Can't wait to dive into it. Um, if people want to add to our discussion of the 2018 Myth program, we'd love to hear from you. So you can head to Facebook.com slash censors of Cinema, and you can leave a comment there on our episode thread. Lynn Ramsey wrote and directed You Were Never Really Here, adapting the script from Jonathan Ames's novel of the same name. It stars Joaquin Phoenix's Joe, who is hired by a New York senator, to rescue his daughter Nina, who has been kidnapped and taken to a brothel. His quest to save the young girl becomes infused with flashbacks to a violent childhood and traumatic war experience. It premiered this year at Cannes, and awards were given to both Ramsey's script and to Phoenix's performance. Tim, do you think the film is worthy of all the adulation and accolades that it's received?
2: Uh, Yes, generally. Uh, I I love Lynn Ramsey's films generally, and it's now been... It's always a long time between drinks. It's, I think, seven years since um, we need to talk about Kevin, yep. and it was a long time before that for Morven Colour. So it's eagerly awaited and, for the most part, lives up to the hype. Um, it did win Best Screenplay for Ramsey and Best Actor for Phoenix at Cannes last year. So it comes, as you say, pretty heavily garlanded, I suppose. It's not a conventional thriller, and you wouldn't expect that, obviously, from... You know, from Lynn Ramsey, uh, it, your description might make it sound like a quirky, yeah,
0: be. it totally but, did, didn't um, it? And and I don't do it justice, no, at all. But,
2: Oh, no, I just mean that it's like this is like an auteur does, yeah, genre basically. Yeah. And uh, I've seen various references to things like taxi driver because we're so inside the head of the Joe character, the Welcome Phoenix character throughout, um, the samurai, um, for the solitary hitman sort of aspect, although, um, you, the disheveled. Uh, phoenix in this one would not match up to the, <laughs> the beautiful <laughs> Alain Delon um, and also Leon the Professional and, and La Femme de yeah. so there's a bunch of sort of films that you really need to um, they might be passing superficial references but this film is singular really in a way yeah. as you would expect um, as you say it's based on the screenplay by, by the on the novella by Jonathan Ames but yeah. the screenplay is as always adapted uh, very liberally by, um, uh, by uh, Lynn Ramsey. So where I think she must have cut out a lot of the novella. I haven't read it, but I've heard her described cutting out the third act. And really, we're fairly light on for dialogue uh, and yeah. in this. And much of the film is really, uh, it's an internal film. We're inside the head of Phoenix and we're dealing with his um, trauma, um, at times suicidal ideation, his, his difficulties uh, as he essentially is reliving uh, events from the past that are only sort of glancingly touched upon so oh, yeah. we keep on getting snatches forward and back and I think the editing is fantastic oh, in this film. Yeah. I was I mean, going to mention that. You, you, yeah. you, I'm happy for Go you to Michelle. say something about that Michelle, yeah.
1: No, it's 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 actually good to know, it's good mark that you said what it was ostensibly about yeah. because, <laughs> because it's otherwise kind if, of not. If yeah. you're going into it not knowing <laughs> yeah. anything about the plot, I mean it's it's incredibly all over the place and I mean that as yeah. as a compliment. No, yes. Um because the the editing is the editing is incredible. I mean, the, it's a very violent film, but yeah. when you're actually watching it, you're like, there's actually not a lot of violence no, on the isn't. screen, and yeah. I think that's largely due to the yeah. editing. And you know, I think Ramsay's a genius in there's everything a, there's she does. This a sequence
0: where uh, he is going in to rescue uh, Nina from mm. this brothel. Where Ramsey cuts to like surveillance footage, mm. and you yep. can see, you know, Phoenix walking down this corridor. You know that he's going to start knocking off various people because
1: he will—he's wielding he's this William hammer, or throughout right? the film.
0: Yeah, yeah. And but the the editing of that is so suspenseful, mm. but really you're not being exposed to anything that is particularly graphic or particularly. No. You know, yeah, it's you so see, tense. Yeah, mm. you get
2: that CC. You see aftermath,
0: but you don't—you don't see. Action in yeah. some ways, which is such a perverse way to approach like what is ostensibly an action film. Yeah. Like, to actually, what's an action film look like if you take all the action out of it? <laughs> <laughs> I think also with
2: that sequence, we're quite we are distanced. That's the purpose of CCTV in a yeah. way. And it's also interesting that she uses, she's such a good uh, art, artist when it comes to soundtracks as well. Wow. And um, in this case, I mean, it's her and Johnny Greenwood obviously yeah. working on that, and she picks great collaborators. Yeah. But You've got Angel Baby playing in that one and mm. Snatch, that's jumping forward. The ellipses don't yeah. just apply to the vision but to sound as well. Yes. She's cutting up the song. What it.
1: about that sequence, um, I've Never Been to Me? Is that the song? Oh, that's that's Mark's favourite people. song from oh, the early nice. 80s. He yeah. loves
0: Charlene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Charlene. Bit of what? a warble late at night. Absolutely. I won't say
1: too much about the sequence, but the yeah, way it's not. used is chilling.
0: Um, <laughs> yes. yeah. I mean, I, I felt myself, you know, starting that film and, and it was literally just a, a kind of montage sequence mm. with some music probably about in the third or fourth minute. And I went, oh, I'm, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was just him. I think he's finished one job and he's heading off, heading back to see his mother. Uh, yes. And it was just the way that it was cut. It synced with the, this incredible sound from Johnny um, Greenwood. And I didn't care what was going to happen. It was like this is almost just a, a, a sensory um, experience that I was just going to kind of fly along with, which is why, you know, it's almost, this sounds a bit ridiculous and stupid, but it was almost like a film that felt tactile, like you could yes. feel your way along it um, just through, you know, the image and the sound. I just loved it.
2: It is. It's interesting that you know, because Lynn Ramsey is a, originally a cinematographer and yeah. she won um, uh, awards for her short films at Cannes, you know, over 20 years ago, like, things like Gas Man, uh, she's often, we often talk about her in that sense and she and her framing and her use of colour and compositions are, are fantastic but on every level she uses all the expressive elements of cinema so well. Uh, you know, the, the films are really made by somebody who loves and lives cinema and mm. I've read that she is involved in every detail of the film. She's obsessed with, you know, even down to uh, extras, you know, uh, she will not leave that to anybody else to do. And are you are you can tell that when you watch a film mm. like this. Even, it's
1: it's yeah. curious. I mean, because she all all her um, I think all four features have been adaptations of books, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is interesting. Uh, and then, maybe not Ratcatcher, is. Maybe it? not the yeah, first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the the last three have been. So they and, and, have, yeah. um I I can't even imagine what these books must be like. I mean, they're such cinematic works. Yeah. And um, it's obviously she she just finds an interesting story. It's not that they're boring stories, no. but that's just the. Very tip of the iceberg. Yes. Like what she yeah. does with the cinema, as you say, it's, it's all encompassing.
0: So, what is, how did you sort of cope with the, the sort of flashback structures? Um, you know, because you've consistently got this sort of really present action of him repeatedly trying to kill himself yeah. um, through all of these, frankly, fairly bizarre ways. And you've you listed a, a bunch of films that references I could not get Harold and Maud out of my mind, and I'm thinking this is not a funny film at all, but just his approach to constantly trying to find ways of doing himself in, which it almost starts to feel like it's comedic, but then when you start incorporating those those flashbacks, I, I think you lose that humour and you start to just feel the, the weight of, of yeah. history on him. Um, how, how did you sort of incorporate those flashbacks? Were they...
2: Uh, I, I must say, at times, it's like Michelle was saying earlier. I felt um, quite often uh, discombobulated while I was watching the film. If there's periods when we, we are completely without mooring as to what's happened. Yeah. Meaning gradually accumulates, and you get a sense of this character. But you know, it's nothing's uh, completely. I suppose, completely clamped down. You know, I think a lot of the reviews that I've read, and I wouldn't say that I reference those films myself, I'm saying a lot of reviews oh, sure. reference yeah. those films. And I think it's quite yeah. superficial in a way. Yeah.
1: It's it's interesting, Mark, you mentioned just before the, the humour thing too because tonally it's such an interesting film. You don't know where it's going. <laughs> yes. Like the, the first shot is, some. Um, I think I can say, sort of self-asphyxiation. Yeah. So it's pretty dark where you start from and then there's this lovely sequence where he goes to visit his mother that at first again is looking like it's going to be very dark and then he, <laughs> he has this weird thing with like um, the knife and the, the psycho kind of... yes
0: eh, eh, yes,
1: eh, eh, eh. And it, it, it becomes very comic and I don't know if it's supposed to be but it's just so unexpected yeah. and um, wonderful.
2: And I think that's absolutely right and I think there's one sequence as well which... Uh, reflects that sort of tonal shift as well. There's a beautiful sequence underwater, I won't say very much about Mm. it, it, which seems to almost reference um, uh, The Night of the Hunter. There's an element of that there, where we go from the complete dark side to almost redemption or resurrection or a suggestion of resurrection. And Mm. when people see it, they'll recognise that. And that's another example of her artistry. But there's similar sequences throughout her other films, but that was really quite striking.
1: There's so much in this film and it's it feels very economical. I think, it, again, it's sort of 85, 90 yep. minutes. It feel it goes by in a flash, it really but it's does. packed full of so much. Yeah. It's which really is, rich. Oh, sorry, which
2: is incredible when it's, it's really essentially a one-hander. There are mm-hmm. the characters you've talked about, the mother and yeah. the girl Nina that he yep. rescues and other people who pop in and out, but it's very much a film
0: it's about Phoenix and yeah. inside
2: his head. I read yeah. somewhere that she sent him a file of fireworks going off and said that's what's inside the character's head and that yeah. was the starting point mm-hmm. for the film.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, Let's that's it. absolutely something to chase down because we all are really high on this film. So if you're heading off to Miff, this is absolutely a film that you've, you have to add to, your, add to your list. If you want to add to our discussion of You Were Never Really Here... Just head to the, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash of Cinema and leave a comment on our episode thread.
3: At Senses of Cinema, we do our best to bring you the most interesting, provocative writing on cinema from across the globe, highlighting films from the past and present to bring you exciting new talent to your attention and to explore fresh perspectives on films from the past. But it's true that bringing this journal to you each quarter is an expensive proposition, so we have now established a Patreon account to help with meeting the costs of keeping Senses of Cinema running. We have a whole range of goodies for patrons that subscribe to our account. We're offering newsletters, including fresh takes on cinema from our editors and curated dossiers from our back catalogue. If you subscribe at the higher level, you get all the extras and an ad-free version of this very podcast, so you don't have to be interrupted by me every month. Plus, you'll get an additional bonus segment of the podcast each month, out of our gratitude to your commitment to Censors of Cinema. It means that you'll contribute to our ultimate goal at Censors, and that's to be in a position to pay our fantastic writers for all the hard work they all do to keep the journal as terrific as it is. To become a patron of Censors of Cinema, visit sensesofcinema.com, click on our Patreon link and enjoy the benefits of supporting those who bring the journal to you throughout the film year.
0: Isabella ecliffe 's debut feature is a mixture of careful formal composition and violent, chaotic action. It stars Victoria Zoner as Sasha, the girlfriend of a Danish gangster, who spends most of her time basking in the warm sun of Bodrum, Turkey, when she's not flirting with a man she meets in an ice cream shop, or facing the physical and sexual abuse courtesy of her partner and his associates. Ecliffe is a guest of the festival and certainly a provocative film from her... And I have to say, I sort of loved this, even if it's a bit of a hard watch and a hard sit. Um, there are a lot of things that I responded to really uh, positively. Uh, and in some ways, you know, having done You Were Never Really Here, I think there's a kind of interesting little comparison that we've sort of accidentally stumbled upon with this film. Um, I loved the look of the film and I loved that character. And the, the difficulty is, I think, that the, the Sasha character is a little bit hard to get um, connected to. Uh, because I'm not sure that she's essentially or particularly sympathetic. I'm not sure whether we're supposed to kind of feel sorry for her. There's a fantastic scene towards the end where, in fact, um, the way that we read her is addressed to her by one of the characters in a really, really fascinating sequence. Um but I found the, the wonderful contrast between these incredibly bright, pristine white, uh, you know, all the, the, the white houses, the glass, the, the reflective surfaces, and her is this sort of almost a mirror image of herself, compared with the sort of violence, both physical and sexual, that we uh, witness to in this film, just a really tremendous combination um, of factors. I liked the juxtaposition of those two. Um, Michelle, where were you on this film?
1: Oh, look, I certainly found it affecting. Um, I mean, it's, it's yeah, as you say, it's sort of Sasha's on holiday in Turkey with um, her, her friends, I, I guess we could call them, and her gangster boyfriend, and so you sort of have the, you know, the... The, the Europeans running amok um, in in a, a, a lovely beach resort sort of thing going on it's quite unpleasant to watch and it, yeah. it, it it's so Scandinavian like it remind me of um, some of the films like <coughs> Ruben Oslen, sort of that um, the way it just observes people being terrible yeah. but so still and yes. unflinching and um, it's quite an uncomfortable watch but that's that's not <laughs> the half of it. It gets um, yeah, it gets way more uncomfortable from that. Um, so basically, it, it's looking, it's focused on this character Sasha, and um, I guess what what she's going through. And there's a very, very, very unpleasant uh, rape scene. Yes. I, I guess we may as well yes, say. There is. Don't think it's giving away. Um, about halfway through, that goes for about five minutes, yep. and the camera does not move. And it's it's a very hard watch, um, but it it doesn't sort of. Yeah, you don't quite know wh- what is going through her mind or or even I have to say what the what the director sort of thinks. So I, I found a bit of a puzzling watch I have yeah. to I have to say, but very affecting if that if
2: that can okay. happen. Yep. Tim? <laughs> yeah, I think it's absolutely correct. The main character's blank expression is the film's principal motif. That's that's mm. really what we see throughout. And it's interesting because like uh, you were never really here. It's very much focused on this category character. It doesn't yeah. really leave her point of view, but we're diametrically opposed to that film in a way because we don't get a lot of access to character psychology. In fact, we don't get any. It's the or external elements.
1: or anything. Exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's really just all the external elements that are there. There's no, no backstory, nothing. Um, and that can be a great way of generating tension or establishing a mystery in a different sort of film. Um, not so much for me here. It's quite relentless in the depiction of the lifestyle that she's entered into being on holiday with her boyfriend and largely I think his gangster associates and their families um, it's got comparisons and things I've read to um Ulrich Seidel's uh, Paradise uh, Love the first mm-hmm. of those films because but it's really quite a different film to that I'd say in a lot of ways but the superficial similarity is that we're based here with a bunch of westerners in a um sort of uh, exotic poorer country I suppose um, but in Turkey in this case as opposed to Kenya, but we're really dealing just with those Europeans, as you say, in that setting. So um I I I found it uh an intriguing film. Formally, it's really interesting. Yeah. It's a lot of longish takes, it's a lot more neutral, less um, in your face in terms of the uh compositions than you were really here you were never really here as oh, well. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. um
0: but as you say there are some similarities also. See I I I really liked the blankness of her that that's what I think I appreciated the most. I mean, she's constantly looking at herself in the mirror. She been all the sure. time, like, mm. practising. And the fact that she doesn't have a backstory, for me anyway, was because she's thrown that aside. She's reconstructing herself. She's making herself into the gangster's mole. She's going to live this incredible life. And for me, was I inventing this little narrative in my brain? Quite possibly. But for me, it was about what she was prepared to put up with to be successful. Yeah. And, and her success was to be in this great place, to have an influential boyfriend who can do all sorts of things. And if that means that he is going to, as he does you know, very early on in the, drink, in the film, drug her alcohol so that she passes out and he can do whatever he likes to her body, which you know, you know is super unpleasant and, and horrible to watch. But at the same time, it's almost as if she's like, that is the compromise I'm prepared to make. And so it's for me, it was like this trajectory of somebody who was questioning whether this was really what she wanted to do. Did she want to construct herself? And then ultimately sort of falling into a a world where she decides those compromises might be worth the benefits that she will receive in the end. So it was almost Mm -hmm. like this woman who remakes herself as this and, other person
1: yeah and it's it you sort of think there might might be a moment of redemption happening there yeah, and I, yeah. again no spoilers but uh sort of as it goes along towards it that there's a moment there's a there's a romantic prospect in yes. there that you think oh this might be her chance of yes. escape this lovely yes. romance this man who's you know really loves her and um it doesn't end well no. um i think it's fair to say and so yeah it's it's um it it you know it doesn't let up. This film, no, it, it, uh, subverts, it subverts your expectations. Yeah, it does,
2: and that, the, the twist at the end is is intriguing, and that does provide some marker of her yeah. development and progress and the way she changes in the film. Yeah. Again, just through her external actions, yeah. rather than from us hearing what's going on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but so much of, I mean, even if you look at how formally composed that film is, where mm. it, it is about us being sort of objective and standing back and watching it, even that, you know, the the, the rape that occurs. You know, it just sort of plays out in front of us. Mm. Um, but whenever you get a point of view shot of her, she's either putting on an expression in the mirror, like pouting or trying to, you know, how do I look in this swimsuit? Or she's looking at jewellery. And it's literally just looking at the, the what she can acquire uh, by being in this position as this gangster's girlfriend. And, and those are her aspirations. Mm. Um, so I sort of loved the way that you started to, to chart the way that she recognises she is going to be beaten up, she might be assaulted, um, and yet look at where she is, mm. um, which is why you know I, I, I found my, my relationship with her uh, as, the, as the viewer, like, how do I get a handle on this woman because everything she re- represents, I find kind of repulsive. <laughs> and at the same time, how fascinating to watch somebody start to bar- you know, make the bargains with themselves. What am I prepared to endure if I can achieve you know, these, these baubles or this kind of incredible lifestyle? And if you're prepared to put up with sexual assault or periodic sexual assault, um, you know, not bargains that I think most of us would make, but I think it's one that she would. Um, and, and that is, that's almost like the provocation, right? That's that's how that film works. It's like, mm. yep, maybe some people are like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, a super interesting film. At least I, I kind of found it really provocative and really engaging and really interesting. She is, she is a... a Guest of the festival, isn't she? Yes, Isabel Ecliffe,
1: yes. the director, will be out, and I, I believe you know there, there are some um, autobiographical elements to this film. So I think she's going to oh. be really fascinating. I'm not <laughs> saying the whole thing, but uh, <laughs> I think it's it's going to be a very fascinating uh, yeah. conversation with her. Yeah,
0: and just That'd for for a, for a debut film,
1: mm. very confident. Yes, yes. super yeah, confident. Incredible, really well-made short. film. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. So, and she'll be doing Q and As and stuff, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. fantastic. All right, so uh, there's another film for you to uh, cautiously, with, with the knowledge that there is some sort of fairly unpleasant content in it, to, to chase down in uh, this year's myth. So if you want to have a chat about holiday, um, by all means, head to our Facebook page at facebookcom censors of cinema and leave a comment on our episode thread. Mm-hmm. Each month we like to offer up a recommendation of something we've seen, something we've read or something we've experienced in the world of screen media. Myth is obviously foremost in all of our minds, but Tim, what are you going to send our listeners to to check out for this month?
2: I think there's still a chance to see um, Cogonada's Columbus, which I saw at ACME at the start of the month. Um, It's part of a season they have on uh, modernist architecture. And listeners may know Cogonada as the video essayist behind pieces like The Hands of Bresson or um, Breaking Bad point of view. Uh, This is his first feature, his debut feature, set in a Midwestern American town of Columbus, uh, Indiana, not Columbus, Ohio, uh, which is uh, an unlikely hotbed of modernist architecture um, by virtue of a rich civic benefactor from the middle of the last century. So the film stars John Cho, um, for all the Harold and Kumar aficionados out there, and <laughs> Hayley Lou Richardson. Um, it's an interesting film. Uh, there's a lot of synchronicity in me seeing this film and probably for a few other viewers in Melbourne uh, as the source of the pseudonym Koganada is, of course, Japanese um, screenwriter and frequent Yasuhiro Ozu collaborator, Koganada. Uh, and at the same week, on the same week that I saw Columbus, uh, the Melbourne Cinematheque screened Ozu's Equinox Flower, oh. which was a fantastic reminder of what a funny, yeah. sad, profound yeah. film that was.
0: Not a dull moment. Yeah. The audience loved it at the end. That and is one of my favourite films, basically, of all time. Yes. Equinox Flower. I absolutely love yeah, that film. It's that is the film where you sit there and you watch it and you sort of get into it and then without even realising it, you're sort of weeping. Like... How did I end up in this spot? Because it just hits you from absolutely nowhere. It's just beautiful. But
2: that's not an unusual experience with Ozu. I no, it's you not. You back to the silent it, era. it really isn't. Sort of born by, but yep. there's a bunch. Of, you, know, you go back 30, 40 years before that. Absolutely. Same thing. And, yeah, uh, yeah I, I think John Flaus, uh, a good friend of Sense's, used to say he had a formula. He always said it's it's a film that makes the commonplaces of life yield up to their meaning. That was his mm. formula whenever he talked yeah. about Ozu, and that's true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're recommending not just... Um, Columbus, and Ozu, I'm going to recommend something that everybody's already seen, because I'm lazy and I didn't get to the movies in time. But I finally got to see Hereditary, and uh, it's a it's a, a film by Ari Aster, um, Toni Collette, uh, Gabriel Byrne. Look, this is a film that that I grappled with more after I watched it than probably I did when I was watching it. I think it's a really effective horror film, in terms of, you know, you walk into a horror movie, film, you want to you know, have the, the horror experience. I think it delivers on that just fine. Um, I will confess that I, I was unsure about some elements of it. I'm not completely convinced it's you know, a work of genius but I think it is a work of, of real intelligence. And I think what the film does most effectively is wrong-foot you in terms of the way that you read it. That you walk into the film you know you're sitting down to a horror movie and my first thought was, oh, it's the omen, right? So <laughs> here's the daughter. She looks like she's probably, you know, Satan. Um, you know, she, she's not exactly the nicest um, young child, not particularly the friend of pigeons uh, or, or wildlife. So she's probably really just, you know, the devil. And then you realize, oh, no, this isn't the omen. Hang on. I think this might be Poltergeist, and maybe she's you know being you know invaded by some terrible spirit, and maybe this is what this is all about. And then you think to yourself, nope, not Poltergeist. Hang on, I think this is a ghost story. And then it it keeps appropriating different models of different subgenres of horror. Um, I think probably one of the the reasons that I struggled with the end of the film is that I I'm still not convinced that actually Asta manages that transition into the final model that he uses. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, that actually makes total sense. Uh, It really is a a shout-out and a a structure that has been used on a couple of very, very successful horror films, very high-profile horror films, which I won't name, unless it kind of gives it away. But I walked out thinking, okay, maybe it didn't all work. That is a super smart film that actually really understands what horror is and has tried to almost present as a horror jukebox without it feeling too gimmicky or too ridiculous. Um, a couple of really good criers in there. <laughs> Nobody can scream and cry like Tony Collette. She's got a hell of a like face for kind of really extreme expression. She's amazing. And I've sort of walked away thinking I thought it was going to be a bit rubbish and I was wrong. I think it was actually maybe pretty amazing. So, you know, I know that I'm probably talking to a whole bunch of people who've already seen it. Yes, Mark's behind the times. I finally got there, but uh, I really, really loved it. So, by all means, if you haven't chased it down yet, I think it's a film to have a look at. Michelle, what have you got for us?
1: Well, look, I mean, I actually haven't seen Hereditary, so you're doing better than me. Um, <laughs> me I, I do want to see it. I just, uh, obviously, the last few months have, have been very have busy, been busy for have been busy. At any spare time I've had, I do have to um, focus on my myth films which I love, and I haven't seen enough of those either. So I have been just, the only thing I've really been able to watch is just sort of 10 minutes here and there of fucking Adelaide (laughs) on um, SBS, uh, sorry, on ABC and available on iview, which has just been really delightful, just sort of where I can squeeze them in. I haven't watched it all yet. This is a series. It's Australian, obviously set in Adelaide, my hometown. And um, directed by Sophie Hyde and created by Sophie Hyde and uh, co-written by Matthew McCormick, um, who a, a wonderful group of filmmakers based in Adelaide. You probably know Sophie's film Fifty Two Tuesdays. They all work very collaboratively, um, producing, co-writing. I think what they do is really interesting, and yeah, I, I really, I think, I think their work really su- suits this format. It's it's really just about this this. Um, young man. He's living the life in Sydney, He's an amazing queer performance artist, and everything just goes a bit shit for him. And so <laughs> he moves back to Adelaide and has to contend with the family. And um, yeah, it's it's just a lot of fun. It's a nice little tonic to uh, every everything else I'm watching at the moment. So, and Tilda cobham Hervey's in it. I think she's a wonderful Australian actress. So. Yeah, I've been enjoying that. I love everything Sophie and Matthew and all those yeah. guys do.
2: Pamela Rabe in that as well?
1: Or? Yes, Pamela Rabe. Pamela Rabe, Rabe plays in it from, Ma- from Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's great as always.
0: I think you've convinced me. I'm going to have to chase that down because I, sure. I have heard of it. I've heard that it was Definitely. good. I yeah, think
1: you've... 12 minutes at a time it doesn't oh, take too long. Perfect. Bite ah,
0: size. Good. Mm. Fantastic. Great. Well, thanks for joining us this month on the Senses of Cinema podcast and thanks to both Michelle Carey and to Tim O'Farrell for joining me in the studio today. Eloise, who has spent the last month at the Ritrovado Festival in Bologna and is currently swanning somewhere else around Europe, um, will join me back in the studio next month. Thanks also to our technical producer, the brilliant Troy Morey, who maintains the audio festival of this podcast each and every month. Thanks also to Swinburne University for the use of their recording studio here in beautiful Hawthorne, Melbourne. I'm Mark Freeman, and thanks for listening to the Senses of Cinema podcast, and we'll speak with you again next month.